In today's episode, Katie and I are going to be talking about our newly found energy and excitement towards parenting. We never lost excitement. We never lost, I would say, even enthusiasm towards it, but we've definitely experienced a new dose in a higher level. This is high octane energy that we have towards parenting right now, and we're going to be sharing with you as to why we think that is. Uh, and what some of the takeaways, some of the practical takeaways are from that newly found inspiration that we have towards our children and towards parenting and towards family in general. So without further ado, let's get going. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Okay, so I came out here and tonight's going to be a pretty cozy podcast because I brought my purple blanket and I sit down and Elisha has prepared a water bottle for me and a LaCroix. Katie's earned it. When I was getting set up out here, I thought, why have I not prepared my wife better up until now? What would I want? You know, what would I want when I'm sitting down to record a podcast? And it's a bottle of water, maybe a LaCroix. Maybe I would like the option to choose between those two. And so that's why I gave you the option. Well, I feel very spoiled. So thank you very much for that. I should have done that a long time ago. Well, it sounds like I should have, because it sounds like you're the one who's realizing there's a lack of LaCroix and water well, no, options. Because it's not your job to get everybody set up for the podcast. It's my job. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, I'm you do really, a great job. I'm really like the producer and the director. Yeah, I come out here and I sit in the yellow chair and I go, okay, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, that, what are we talking about? Katie? Well, I'm actually really excited today because it's rare that Elisha and I will read the same book all the way through. Hmm. And we did. I mean, it helps that it's a very, very skinny book, but... I'd say that's <laughs> the biggest reason I was able to read that book all the way through. <laughs> but whatever, you read like giant autobiographies and stuff. But the thing is, is that it was just really powerful to us. And what's interesting is actually when I went on Instagram to share the link with people, I was reading the reviews and I was kind of bummed out because I think it kind of... Like it shows the whole of, I guess, just how many of us struggle with learning and growing, hmm. or we just feel like we know it all. Because so many of the reviews to this book that I just thought was, were so powerful, the book was so powerful, were just like, oh yeah, kind of like what you would expect, you know. Hmm. And I was was thinking, this on like, Amazon? On Amazon, okay. yeah. And I was just thinking. I think this is so powerful. And even if something, you know, that's something I guess I just really appreciate about Elisha is that you were reading this and it's not like you never heard any of this before, but Elisha was like at work and calling me up and be like, Katie, I've got to read this to you. And we'd like cry on the phone through <laughs> these chunks of the book. And so I had to read it too. And so anyways, even if this is kind of repetitive or this isn't, you know, rocket science to you and where you're at in your parenting journey, I just really encourage you to, with open arms, be like, okay, what can I take away from this and apply to my situation? Yeah. I, I appreciate that about you big time, Katie. I think that you've instilled in me, you've helped instill, helped instill in me this attitude of constant learning and growth. And even the language that you use, I think I've adopted in regards to hearing information, whether it's a sermon or reading a book I used to, I think, resort to this at mind state of like, oh, if I've heard it, then I'm just going to move on. And I'll say like, oh, maybe I need a refresher or it's a good, it's a good reminder. I would say oh, things like that um, rather than realizing that, okay, there's nothing new under the sun, 
the most profound truths need to be iterated and reiterated in order for us Mm -hmm. to grasp the profundity of them. And so I should celebrate anytime anybody iterates or reiterates something that I think is a profound truth in a way that I'm able to grasp and potentially somebody else is able to grasp. And that's really what I see as being the, I think, the helpful aspect of this book is that it's articulating something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is a parent's role and their effect in a child's life and how much of a, I guess, significant impact they can have in their children's life especially in this this age of 6 to 12. And so I'm with you. You know, I'm kind of glad that I didn't read the Amazon reviews because that probably would have, you know, given me this, um, I, I would have I not read the book as open-mindedly yes. as I did. Um, but that's something that I appreciate about you, whether it's a sermon, a business lesson, anything, people, you learn from anybody and everybody. And even if it's something you already know and you believe it or you don't believe it, you know that contemplating it and hearing it from a different perspective is going to help you grow and it's going to teach you something new. Yeah, that said, we have a ton of stuff written down here that was super powerful in the book. I encourage you to get it for yourself. It's called When Your Child is 6 to 12 and it's by John M. Drescher. Elisha has sent it out in the Top 5 Tuesday email. So if you're a subscriber, you've heard us talk about this on Instagram. You've heard me talk about it on Instagram. You've heard Elisha mention it in the email twice and now you're getting a podcast on it. And that said though, I'm going to say that said a lot. (laughs) That's my segue. Top 5 Tuesday is coming out the day this podcast comes out. So you have a few hours to get on the email list if you're listening to this the morning of Tuesday, the 26th, 27th. It's going to be the 29th, I think. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 29th of March 2022. Yeah, but we thought we would start to answer some of your questions in video form when we get enough questions about something and you guys have enough specific questions and want to see how it's done. So that said, this week we put out a vlog and we filmed our Sabbath. Now we didn't edit it. We tried to make it as intrusive as possible into our family life. But we really walked you through how we rest with young children on a Sabbath, how our Sabbath dinner looks and show you inside a more private part of our home life. That is going out in the top five Tuesday email. So it's going to be a private vlog, a private blog, all about how I meal prep for that day, how dirty our house gets, how much laundry we have the next day, all of it. So I think it's going to be a really amazing resource and answer a lot of your questions. And if you're already on the top five Tuesday email list, if you guys will, well, you don't have to, but if you would like to email back a video recommendation that you guys would want to see. We aren't going to be doing this weekly, um, but every once in a while, we're going to start sprinkling in these videos for your most asked questions. So we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we thought this was the most like practical way to answer, like you said, a lot of these common questions that we get. And it also, it doesn't substitute, but ever since we went away from YouTube, vlogging on YouTube and you doing your YouTube channel, I think there's a lot of changes that we've made and things that we're constantly learning and applying in our life that we don't get to show on those platforms anymore. And so this is an opportunity for us to show some of the things that we're learning and applying to our life on a regular basis. Yeah. If it's helpful to you guys, we want to be able to do it, but we don't want to sacrifice our family. So we have to kind of weigh those in the balance. And so this seems like a way we could do it more privately. It won't be searched by anybody and their mother's brother on YouTube. Um, So it's just a little more personal and with people that we feel safe sharing our children with and our home with, because it's easy enough to 
kick a troll off an email and it's a lot of extra steps for them to go through instead of just stumbling upon a video and and having an issue with it so yes well said Okay, so we're diving in though. Yes, I I appreciated the plug for my top five Tuesday email <laughs> though because I put a lot of time and effort into crafting that, and I'm grateful that the viewership is increasing rapidly over the last few months. It's, yeah, it's yeah. becoming a it's becoming a popular read around the country, around the world. Shirts for his die diehard email fans, yeah. top five Tuesday fans. Um, Okay, you can where you can find that email, just go to nowthatwe'reafamily.com and it's all over the website where you can sign up. Yes. Okay, so you want to start? Sure. We got a lot to get through here. Yeah, so a huge takeaway that I had from reading this book was the scarcity of this time frame that feels like it's indefinite when you're with your kids. And so the book's called When Your Children or When Your Child is Ages Six to Twelve. Um, and that's a specific age frame. And I think it's good to have that in mind, but really it's talking about a stage here, you know, kind of coming from their toddler stage before into to, to their adolescence. So that age is going to vary slightly depending on the kid, but I love how he nails the, the, the confidence and the like reverence that your kids have for you in this stage where they love you, they trust you, their loyalty is towards you. Of course, you have to discipline them. You let them down sometimes, but then they're right back, like within five minutes or within such a short time frame of being your biggest fan and of being your ally. And I think it's really easy to take that for granted and to think that that season is going to last forever rather than maximizing that short season. And the way I see this playing out in our own home is instilling various truths and I think um, principles while they are in this time frame rather than waiting until I'd say, oh, now that their thinking is a little bit more developed and they're thinking more critically, I'm going to teach them about healthy and biblical sexuality, which a lot of people do. And, and of course, anytime you teach your kids about healthy sexuality, it's a good, it's a good time to teach your it's kids. It's a good thing. Conversation. Yeah. And of course there's everybody's comfort zone with what the age of their children, that's going to, that's going to vary. But I, the way he talks about that topic in particular was really convicting and motivating for me because I want to be the voice into my children's life of teaching them and, and explaining to them what healthy sexuality is and what God designed for that particular topic. Of course, there's endless topics that you could talk about, various sin topics or various attributes of God and what is true in creation. Um, but that one really struck me because I think I would have really been prone to waiting until my kids were around that adolescent age and thinking, okay, their body's going to be changing. They're going to be having these hormones. I want to teach them about healthy sexuality now. And he goes on to explain that the danger in that or the, the, the struggle with that really is that at that point, their brain is developed to a point where they are critically thinking and you are not the sole voice of authority in their life anymore. They are regardless of how good of a parent you are, they are going to be questioning what you have to say. And it could be even from a place of honor and respect. But at that stage in a human's life, they start thinking that there might be another opinion out there. And I want to instill in my children why they are at home and in this stage, what healthy sexuality is and what that is something that you can look forward to and what that's going to be so that when they are at that critical thinking age, it's instilled in their hearts and in their minds, and they're able to identify and distinguish between the lies of the world 
and the truth of God's word around topics like that. Yeah, and when Elisha says healthy sexuality, that means biblical sexuality. And yes. just what God ordained for men and women. And I think that something that you also brought up to me that stood out to you that I thought was really encouraging and totally made sense was by the time our kids are adolescents, they also have like the embarrassment and the shame and the awkwardness factors Mm. all in there. Whereas kids that are younger are super open, super frank, super like if they think it, they say it. Mm. And so having like working your way or warming your way into these hard conversations is better to start younger because you can say stuff really factually and kids are like, oh, okay, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. You're right. Yeah. That's what God designed. And, and obviously in, you know, you can add details as they grow, but you've opened that pathway to communicate with them where it's like, oh yeah, I talked to my dad about this. I talked to my mom about this. They care about these things. And when I do feel awkward about it, or when I do hear someone else speak to about it, I can come ask them questions because that conversation has already been opened with my parents. So I just think that's a really awesome thought of while our kids are not awkward and they're still unashamed and innocent, we're able to open these doors to harder conversations that we're going to want to continue later in life. Yeah, that's such a great point, Katie, babe, that the com- when the conversation starts when they're in that kind of like open and matter of fact stage, then it only flows and continues to flow when they're in a much more awkward and kind of embarrassed stage of life because it's already kind of an ongoing conversation. Because of course, conversations around, you know, biblical sexuality is going to be ongoing with your children's as they as their bodies do change or they start to date and so on and so you just want that there to be a healthy line of communication but that line of communication has to start or it, it's it's most effective when it starts in that stage prior to adolescence yeah you know it's funny i was just reading the kids a book today about a little boy that flew a kite a, that um across Canada like Niagara Falls he flew the kite from Canada to America mm. and they built the bridge with that kite string so with his little kite string oh, cool. that stretched across that they tied a little thicker rope a little thicker rope until they strung the bridge cable is this a true story yeah this it's a true, a true story. story wow and they built the bridge there and it, I just think that's so cool. Like it just came to me, <laughs> but it's like, that's, those are conversations we start when our kids are yes. five and six and seven, we tie that little string there. And then as they're able to carry more responsibility, we add a thicker and thicker string yes. to pull across and more details. And yeah. yes. wow. And hopefully we have this really strong structural open pathway of communication one day with our children. Man, what a great illustration, Katie, babe, coming in clutch. <laughs> wow, God just gave us that book. That was you guys were reading that this morning? Yeah, we read that this morning. That is timely. It's so cool. You know, a quote that um I read in the book John here. We're going to just refer to him as John because his last name is hard to pronounce and we're such a fan. I'm going to assume okay. we're on a first name so the basis. Book, yes, that we're talking about. Okay. Yeah, he says in middle childhood the child like at no other time in life seeks to please the parents and other adults and the result of this often is parents are tempted to relax too much and neglect some of their most important responsibilities and opportunities. Hmm. And I think it's one of those things like humans were so motivated by pain and discomfort. And if we go through a season of comfortability with our relationship with our children and they aren't demanding, like so many toddler moms 
are, you know, messaging me every single day and being like, I'm pulling my hair out with my toddlers, you know? And so we're driven to look for answers at that stage. And I think it's similar probably with the teenage years where we're really driven by a place of pain to look for answers. Yes. But if things are going well, it's like we don't realize until it's, I'm going to do air quotes here because I don't believe it's ever too late, but until it seems like it's too late. Like that season has passed. Yeah, Yeah. until that season's over. And it's like, what? Like this shows up in the teen years basically that we had that we didn't take advantage of those opportunities or we neglected our responsibilities in these years of middle childhood, which are the years that Elisha and I are entering into with our kids. And that's why we're obviously so obsessed about this book. It just seems like we're on the cusp of those years to apply. And, and I'm already starting to see the potential for slacking off because of how easy some of the kids are, Leon and Lucy, where they aren't demanding as much as, you know, the toddlers when you're doing a lot of the initial training. Of course, there's demands and of course there's, you know, attitudes and and struggles and work that goes into it, but not to the same extent. And so I could easily see myself falling into some patterns that almost look like coasting or just kind of, you know, taking it for granted. And then, like you said, when those seasons of adolescence come, you haven't maximize those previous years to really build relationships, to have those conversations already started, to have culture built up in them and, and like a common language and this common commonality of, of being a teammates mm-hmm. when they are in that stage. Is it my turn? Well, I don't know. Was I that, mean, did you, are you going points or are you just kind of like, no, riffing through I just some quotes? have basically the whole book written down in nice. my notebook so we could go all night. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I've kind of got points more or less. Mine are just more thoughts, more thoughts than anything. I, he did talk a lot about, I mentioned culture, but he did talk a lot about how this is when culture is created in your family. It's when children are this age. And then he says, you're able to then enjoy it and express it when they're in their teens. But waiting until your kids are in adolescence and as teens to try to build family traditions and create family culture and to do have various family like activities that are core parts of who you are is is far more challenging. Of course, it's not impossible, but you're able to enjoy those years so much more when you spent the time when your children were in that age range six to twelve, really establishing common goals as a family, common language, common like aspirations for what you, who you want to be and mantras for your family and an overall culture. And I thought that was something that was really cool. Something else that I thought was just so cool in my own heart, kind of as a more big picture part of all these things. And this is, this is going to be like, sound like I'm derailing this whole thing, but I wanted to say this at the beginning is how grateful to God I am for truly changing my affection towards my children. Again, I mentioned in the introduction, I never had a hard heart towards my children. I never would have spoke poorly of them because I do enjoy them and I really like being a father. But I think that I had started to become almost borderline apathetic towards my role as a father and not seeing it as being very significant or having maybe as much of a profound impact as it, as I see as what it does have. And I think the Lord was so gracious and just igniting in me a true desire for my children and finding and, and giving me true satisfaction in being a father and a husband. Cause I think it's so easy to, for me anyways, I grew up hearing that being a father is a worthy job. You know, that like being a husband is a, is a worthy role. Um, but 
I hadn't always experienced satisfaction and fulfillment from those things. And as of course, you're going to go out and look for fulfillment and satisfaction in some things in, in your career, you know, and, and worldly accolades and money or whatever it is, even more spiritual things, you know, studying, studying your Bible or leading people outside of your home in spiritual ways. But the Lord was so gracious, I feel like, over the last three and four weeks of just making me so fulfilled, giving me so much fulfillment in being a father. Um, and it does, it does just remind me of the Bible verses. Was I wrote them down. Psalm, we all know this one, 37.4, and that's delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I also thought of Malachi uh, 4.6, and of course, this is all prophecy to Israel. Mostly that whole prophecy is pretty... D- discouraging for Israel because it's talking about how lame it's going to be for those that reject the coming Savior and the coming Messiah. Um, but then it goes on to talk about the blessings for those that do hope in that co- that coming consolation for Israel. And one of the one of the attributes of those people that hope in the coming consolation, the coming Savior, is that their the father's hearts are going to be turned towards their children, the children's hearts are turned towards their fathers. And those are the people that are putting their hope in Christ. And I thought, how cool is it that he uses that illustration, that earthly illustration for those that are finding their contentment and their hope and putting their eyes on, on Christ, the Messiah. What What is the reference for, what did you say, Malachi? Malachi? Yeah, Malachi 4.6. Malachi 4.6. Yeah, I just think it's... Yeah, it's Elisha and I are both really achievement-oriented people, and I think that that is the beauty of reading parenting books, I guess, is because when you say be a be a parent, right, be a father, be a mother, find fulfillment in that, it can be kind of just this big gray, like, well, I'm, I took care of their basic needs, right? And it's really cool for me and to have these tangible things to do, like, oh, I'm building family culture today. I am taking interest in what my child is taking interest in. I'm going to have a hard conversation or open up a pathway to a hard conversation with my child today. I'm going to teach my child about God today and just have all these tangible things. I feel like, Mm. and maybe it's even the difference between the toddler years and the years we're entering into, but I feel like you and I just have this long list of all these things that are very tangible goals and things that we want to like we want to pour our heart and our lives out into it's not just like well be a parent like yes i don't know make sure they're still alive at the end of the day you know well it is becoming more tangible because they are learning how to read and Mm -hmm. so that's gonna we're gonna teach them how to read the word they're memorizing scripture you know you're doing the catechisms with them they're learning songs Mm -hmm. and so as they're developing these abilities and these skill sets you realize you have this opportunity to teach them to memorize God's word or that the songs that they're learning and that they're singing around the house are singing songs of, are songs of truth and that are honoring to God in the lyrics. You're like starting to see that on a daily minute by minute basis. Yeah. It seems like every day they're learning something new, which is just so cool. I was telling Elisha, I was like, I feel just as excited when my child learns something new as when I would accomplish something on my own. Like mm. I just, I feel this like second degree satisfaction or something through it. Not that I do think you have to be careful with that because I think parents can live vicariously through their kids and that's not what I'm talking about. Yes. If that puts too much pressure on the child. Yeah. But but it is nice that I do have this opportunity to experience being a professional basketball player through my son because it's something I always Stop. wanted to do and now Leon will go play in the NBA and I'll be able to experience that vicariously through him. Yeah. 
he will not let me down. <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone's going to listen to this. I feel like there's so many people who think Elisha are really funny. And then like, there are so many more people that have no clue when he's joking. Yeah. That's, that's on them. <laughs> I like your jokes. But I think something that was so cool that I just told Elisha today was this happened accidentally, but we only play Christian music in our home. Like 90% of it is Elisha's oh, children's on. album. Oh, come that's not true. <laughs> well, Leon has that and he loves it. He plays it every morning. That's yeah, not my choice. I'm usually not here when he's playing this. <laughs> no, Elisha. And then I turn it on on Spotify because I love the truths in it. It's so rich theologically. But we play, you know, we sing other songs as a family and it's, we just don't listen to secular music. And I know that's probably going to change as our kids grow up and they start hearing about like such and such a song or whatever. But it's so cool to have that in our home because my kids sing a lot. They just go around the house singing like amazing grace or like, I don't know. You're like Adam and Eve walked hand in hand, you know. Leon, what's what's the verse that Leon sings a lot about our sin? God sent his son. Is that one? Yeah, or all of creation cries out for redemption. It's Adam's transgression weighs heavy on man. We can't help ourselves. We need somebody else to undo this curse and bring life back to earth. Anyways, it just like melts my heart and... I'm just so grateful, but that's just like a little example, I guess, of like accidental um, family culture and just seeing like, wow, we can really have a huge impact on our children. Yes, that is so exciting. What else do you have here, Katie, babe? Well, something that I thought was, you know, just a little side note that stuck out to me is that parents who show interest bolster their children's sense of self-worth significantly Hmm. in this age. And for me, I think interest I think of it in two ways. It's eye contact and it's listening. And he talks a lot about listening in this. Okay, I actually have to read a part on listening in this because it is so good. Page 28. And again, it's just seeing these years as a setup for what's to come. And it says, children want and need undivided attention. Parents who listen to their child when their child talks will have a child who will demand less time in the long run. This is the part that Julia had. Parents who listen to their child when the child is young will have a child who will be inclined to listen to the parents when the child is older. Hmm. And I just thought that was really good because so often, especially our kids right now, they'll just like drone on and on and on and on. You know, they tell you a story and it takes forever. Or they, they like say the same part like three times trying to figure out the right word. And it's so easy to just kind of tune them out and be like, I gave you three minutes and you did not get it out. Time's up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I just thought, wow, that's so good. Like, I want them to listen to me when they are older. And I need to show them that respect of just listening to them now and enjoying them now. Yeah. You know, again, I keep like having these thoughts come to me as time's going on. I love your points. But I want, want to say one more thing about the blessing of our parents, because it was actually your parents that recommended this book to us. Yeah. And yeah. your dad was pumped about this. He couldn't stop talking about it. And he's read this numerous times. He's got... I remember him reading it back before I was going through puberty. Isn't that crazy? So yeah, yeah you're, you're what, 27? Yeah, you're, so he's got, he's got married children. He's got grandchildren. He's got young adults, teenagers, but he's got a couple kids left still in his home that are in this stage. And here he is revisiting this book 
to learn and to grow. And that's inspiring to me because mm-hmm. that's exemplified before us. Some of our favorite, not some of our, like our favorite parents of all time, like our favorite, not just our parents, meaning like our favorite parent role models of our time, your parents mm-hmm. and my parents are constantly learning and they're revisiting books and resources that they went through 20 years ago and 10 years ago and five years ago. And they don't have any attitude of, well, check that box. Check that. It's pro- I've probably already read it or I've probably already heard everything that that guy has to say. Oh, or, they're just saying it in a new way. I've raised six successful adults. I'm just, I know what I'm doing for the last five. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of kids, but it's the truth, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so anyways, just a huge thank you to Chad and Janice for yeah. recommending this book. And then also just showing, give, being an example of constantly learning and growing and never thinking they're beyond that, not beyond the need to learn and grow from, from anybody and everybody. So just, I feel so blessed in that category. Yeah. Okay. So I liked this too. This is on page 60, but this is what both of our parents, we've talked about this before on the episode. They asked forgiveness. They showed us they were human. They told us they were wrong. Now, the thing is, is that kids don't need to be told that in the fact that they know it. They know that we're human. They know that we make mistakes. And so it makes it even more embarrassing when we try to act like we have it all together. Hmm. I think I really liked this because it's in this chapter of the whole more is caught than taught. And it's really easy to say that, but then I like how he breaks it down into a lot of different ways. Right here he says, John, this is John talking, when parents are realistic about their own mistakes at home, they help their children to be realistic in evaluating themselves. They learn that you do not have to be perfect to be accepted and loved. Hmm. And I thought, how cool is that? Like when we're showing hey, I messed up here. I'm sorry. You know, this is this is new to me. We're walking through this together. A child's able to be like, well, I still love my parent. It's going to be okay when I say I messed up too, and mm-hmm. they'll still love me. Yes. You know, just like that wow. modeling that behavior, I yes. think is so cool. That is so cool because, again, it's so I, I know I'm so prone to trying to find the, uh, you know, crack the code or find the system that will work. But I, I do think that my father, I was thinking about this afternoon in regards to the type of literature my parents like encouraged us to read as children or, or just allowed us to read as children for that matter um, for education and just for entertainment. And I think they were constantly altering it depending on what the convictions were of their heart, what, what they were learning, what they were reading at the time. And I was just going, I was thinking about that. And I was like, that is the blessing of being a parent, but it's also the responsibility of being a parent is that it is f- constantly flowing and it's in flux. And so you can constantly, I think always, you can always have an opportunity to like uh, react and to like adjust and to make modifications. But the responsibility is, is that you can never just like set it on autopilot and be like, this is the course that we're going on. And I'll, I'll tune back in in a couple of years. And I think that that was so illustrated in my home where my fa- my parents were transparent and they're saying, hey, this didn't work for us. This We're going to change this. Sorry about that. This is good. You know what? Actually, we are going to go back to this. Rather than making huge dogmatic statements uh, regarding curriculum or regarding various principles and ideals or standards that were coming into our home and making it sound like this is 
now first. This is the we actual truth. Found this is the way. this is actually it right now. We were a little bit off before, but we modified it, and and now we actually found the right way to do it. Um, it was, of course, God's word is right, and Jesus Christ is the only. He is right. Like he is the only hope that we have in life and in death here. But everything else. Well, can we be confident in the moment? Yes. And when you tell your children, you, you they're the authority. And they say, we are doing this. And it's because we love you. And we think it's the right thing to do. And then if down the road they feel it's not best, then they pivot. And maybe if there's a need for an apology, they apologize. If not, they say, oh, yeah, it's just not going to work anymore. And we go on to the next thing. But I love that he talks about that in the book a lot, too, that constant need for, for flux, but at the same time, confidence as a parent. Yeah. And just, you know... There's so many verses about God resisting the proud and just bringing the proud low. And I don't want to be a proud parent. I don't want my kids to have that pressure. And I don't want the Lord to just, you know, whack me on my face with parenting. Yes. It's just, okay. I wanted to say this little bit on uh, punishment because there is, punishment is like this dirty word. Right now right? in the parenting circles. Yes. And I think it's a really sad thing, especially because um, as I read the Old Testament, I think a lot of people don't really read their Bibles and they can maybe read the New Testament where Jesus just came. He's the ultimate sacrifice. He's the servant leader. And we forget that God showed his love through punishment Um to the Israelite people, to individuals over and over and, and he does, over and over. And he does so today. And he does so to the church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's he loves us perfectly. And so I think it's a very dangerous thing to take something that a perfect God does in his holy love who, that he has said over and over in scripture is loving, is gracious, is righteous, and say, this is completely inappropriate to do as a parent. Um, God is our father and he is our ideal example of a parent. So I think we need to be really careful about that and read our Bibles, not just henpeck verse, read through the entire Bible over and over before we go reading some man's opinion that like sounds really appealing to us. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you talk like about the book. old we Testament, take it back to the Bible. but I mean, it says numerous times in the new Bible that without like, it doesn't mince words that if you're God, if God's failing to punish you and to chastise you, it's because he's basically cast you off. He doesn't love you anymore. Yeah. Like that's a sobering thought. And so therefore, as a parent, by not disciplining your children, you are hating that child. But that's the language the Bible uses in the Old and in the New Testament regarding yeah. God's love for his children. He punishes us and he brings us towards himself because he loves us. And that's the parent's role in a child's life. Yeah, and I think it's really cool how this book does such a great job of showing that unconditional love is always present. A child should never feel the withdrawal of love or question if that love's still there. They should never feel shame. They should never feel, you know, shame like a parent shaming them. Um, obviously, the shame from our sin and is just a, cons a consequence of us sinning. Um, but they never feel that isolation um, there's just, they're just always loved when they fail, when they sin, you know, Leon will tell me all the time. He goes, I'm just so grateful. God loves us when we do the right things. And when we sin, he's like, you love me, mama, when I do the right thing. And when I disobey, and I'm like, yes, I always love you. And I'm so grateful that he knows that. And I want to keep enforcing that. Um, 
what do you not enforcing um like reinforcing that truth reinforcing that's yeah. the word i'm looking for okay but i think that this is a really cool paragraph in regards to rules um so psychiatrists and family counselors, and again, this is an old book, so nowadays, I don't know if this would be the case, remind us that we do damage to our children if we are too lenient and they have too few expectations of them. Children whose parents say they love them too much to punish them are like cars driving down a street without traffic signs. Confused and bewildered, these youngsters may provoke their parents with worse and worse behavior trying to discover if we go far enough wrong, will someone care enough to stop us? Yeah. And I think that's just like an interesting picture. I do think kids know that we're their safety nets in their lives and they want to know where, when that safety net kicks in. I also think this is just kind of interesting. Um, where this gal said, it's hard for me to believe that a child who's allowed to throw tantrums in order to get her way is going to be more lovable 15 years from now. And I just thought that that was kind of a funny picture because I hear about this a lot, especially in toddler parenting, um, just real lenient parenting. So, this book is a really balanced approach because it talks about how encouragement is the best corrective influence on behavior during this middle childhood season. Hmm. Because kids naturally seek your approval, they don't really need discipline as much because they're just like out of the desire of their heart wanting to yeah, please, you. please you. So just encouraging them in the way you want them to go is really helpful. But then also having those clear rules and... Um, consequences if stuff well goes wrong anyway so cool thought that was interesting that is. that's so good i'm i kind of have gone through all my points okay there's just a couple more things thoughts. i want to say real quick yes um page 38 said children will share to the extent they know they will continue to be loved and accepted yes wow isn't so that crazy that is that is so good and we we have the opportunity to give them give them a huge bandwidth to be able to share and a huge just like range for them to share by encouraging conversations, by not reacting when they do confess and when they do something that is wrong. That's so cool. Yeah. So I think that that's really awesome. There's so much in the book about loving our kids when they fail and how to love them when they fail because we're all going to fail. And that's one thing I love so much in my marriage is I feel completely free to fail as a mother and be like, Elisha, like today was hard to feel, fail as a wife and be like, I'm going to do better to fail as a, in anything I try to try something new, tell Elisha about it and be like, that was lame, you know? And that's, that's such a blessing. You know, that's because you know how much I've failed and you're like, well, man, I've loved him in spite of all of his failures. <laughs> no, that the is not least why. he can do <laughs> is love me for these things. <laughs> no, I just think that's a healthy relationship. It's yeah. a safe relationship where you feel like you can fail. And I want our kids to know that. I don't just support you when you do great things. Yeah. I'm here for you when you completely flub up because mm -hmm. we all do it. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. Uh, and then one other thing here was pay more attention to how and in what tone something is said than what was said. Yeah. Our kids just notice how we present something and the tone. That is what's stuck in my head. I'm like, I need to work on my tone. Um, yeah, man, especially when you like start hearing your kids going around the house and you're like, why, why is it so like naggy and whiny all of a sudden between the children's conversations like why is their tone that way you're like oh they... you aren't gonna say it's because their mom's no, naggy and whiny, i'm you? going around <laughs> whining and nagging you know they're picking up on my tone and the attitude that i have or if i'm short you know i'm like i snap at them and then i hear them snap at their sibling and i'm just like yes. oh like don't snap at your sibling 
But like that totally makes sense. The tone of our home is like snappy right now. I need to change that first. And actually a mom I really respect. She said that sometimes my mom has actually said this before too, but sometimes she just will sit her kids down and be like, you know what? I apologize for how today's going. We're going to start fresh Hmm. right now. Wow. And just have a new start in the moment. Let your kids know. And I haven't used that yet. But it's in my toolbox. Yes. Like I've had that conversation with myself a lot of times where I just sit <laughs> myself down I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't like how this day is going. Let's start afresh right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, in the skinny little book, it obviously covers a ton of stuff. I cannot say that we have, you know, stamped our, we are fans, but we have not obviously been like, oh, every single thing he says is gospel truth. Like anything, we need to take this back to the Bible. Yeah. I mean, I think what we're saying right now back to the Bible. I think my biggest token of gratitude that I have towards this book is less about the content therein, even though I've appreciated a lot of the content and more of the newly found desire I have in general to learn and to grow as a parent. And anytime there's a catalyst that something that is serves as a catalyst towards a positive direction that I want to be going in, whether it's my faith and my marriage, my parenting and my health, I'm really grateful for that catalyst. And down the road, you might find yourself using that specific thing less and less, but I will always be grateful to that thing that sent me on that journey and I f- down that path. And I feel like this book certainly did that for me and, and for you. Um, and so, yeah, that's why we're talking about this book so much. Yeah. I also, it does touch on marriage in there and how our marriages affect our kids in these years. Mm. And I think that's something to, to just constantly be on the lookout and not forget, not to put all that pressure on our kids to, you know, live up to our expectations or even it talks about just like our lives revolving around our child, how that's like way too much pressure on a child. Hmm. Like we need to be growing ourselves. We need to be learning ourselves. We need to be engaged. Our child's going to learn way more from that and our marriage that we're learning and growing in than us sitting there and just devoting our lives. Yes. Catering to to catering to the child. Like that makes them insecure. Like, wow, there's a lot of pressure on me right now <laughs> a to lot of pressure. make you happy because yeah. you don't have anything else going on in your life, yeah. you know? So <laughs> as much as we don't want to neglect our kids, I think there is a really healthy emphasis on putting into other areas of our lives, which is mm. a God-given um, truth. Yes. Just a proverbial truth. So That's good. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katie. I love all the points you, you have. Thank you. You know, references. I was just in a really good mood tonight with my coconut water and my water. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to be setting that up every time from now on then. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this, we'd love it. If you left a rating or a review, we always appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, someone asked if they don't have an iPhone how to leave a rating or a review. You just go to Apple Podcasts. Like Google, now that we're a family, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, just on a desktop or in a browser or whatever. We know all the tricks for not (laughs) having the phone. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.